0: Welcome back to His Light and Life. I wanted—I touched on something last time uh, out of the Book of James, and I wanted to—I wanted to circle around to it. And um, in connection to, well, there's two portions here that I wanna that I want out three portions that I want to look at, but I'm only going to look at one of them right now. I, I, a little confession: I—I I didn't understand the Book of James for years. I had a hard time with it. Though on the surface it seems to be fairly simple, Uh, it is it is not. It is uh, James is for the mature believer. There's no doubt about it. Paul, um, Paul, uh, the Pauline epistles are. Let's just say I want to say more accessible. And if you have a strong foundation in the, the Paul's epistles, the book of James will be far easier to understand. And but I wanted to just because we're only talk, talking about one area here, the overcoming life is actually contained in James one three, um, and we will we will use that that verse of scripture is amazing. That portion right at the beginning is is uh, is vital, and you have to understand the amount of persecution. James was a pastor in the church in Jerusalem, and they had come under incredible persecution. And, um, he, James deals with that immediately. He, you know, he, he dives right into it. His is more from a, uh, I don't want to say this, but his is more from a Jewish perspective. And that's why he says at the beginning, James, a servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. So he's, he's, he's making the assumption. Well, he's not making the assumption. It's, it's, it's telling us at the very beginning that the 12 tribes um this will make a far oh wrong word again the, because of their background in history in the law it, it was a it was an advantage and a disadvantage the advantage was of course they understood god's picture book in the old testament the disadvantage is of course they were their minds were heavily inundated with that law so there's there was two aspects. If you read Paul's epistles, you see him incorporating some verses that seem to be um like legal instruction. But you have to understand that Paul is writing to the Gentiles. They had no they had no contact with the law. They didn't know that killing, let him who steals, steal no more. Right? <laughs> like, so rather than have rather than have the Holy Spirit barely just convicting Christians, every based upon their entire life, you know, they're elected, they're called, they're saved now, but they're going to be convicted. Their entire Paul wrote epistles to them, and in those epistles, there is uh, some legal instruction about how you should, you know, interact with society because they, they, you know, the the law gave the Jews made them into a civilized society, so they were moving in the direction and the purposes of God from the beginning. The Gentiles were not. They had, it was every man for themselves. (laughs) They were just, it was every man for themselves. So the epistles that were written to them by Paul primarily cover the two things, who you are in Christ and who you were in yourself. And, you know, stop doing that and let's, you know, embrace the overcoming life. And the Jews were on the other side of that coin in the sense that they had a heavy 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 foundation their entire thinking was completely inundated with the law and they had known God no other way and now all of a sudden um Paul or James is introducing them to this the perfect law of liberty right the law the law that you had with Moses it's it, we've come to the fruition now and it's like anyone who's uh Anyone who's, you know, I mean, just a simple analogy, a new computer program at work, you know, a new inventory computer program at work, and you spent 10 years with the old program. Every now and again, you're going to run into some things that you're going to say, oh, um, um, you know, how do I relate to this? And the Jews were no different. I want you, and that's a computer program is a very simple example. I want you to picture something, a foundation of the thinking of their entire lives. But keeping this on the line of what we were talking about last time, we were talking about the reflected light. And God is the source. I felt I should put a verse of scripture. There's many, but I want to put this one right at the beginning of this as we continue our talk on the Christian in the world and what the world is, how we relate to it, and how we should view it. And he says in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Okay, so it's vitally important in the you are here uh, analogy we had in the mall that you recognize and realize that you are always to keep that in mind, that anything that you have or do in your Christian life has come to you as a gift. So the faith that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 1 and the fruit thereof which is the love of that is called works but it's the works of the believer is to esteem others greater than themselves you say well that seems yeah okay i mean <laughs> i mean okay, that's that's hard for people to get that the entirety of god's civil civilized civic responsibility to us can be served up in love your neighbor as yourself. Mhm. It it covers everything. Would you're not going to steal from your neighbor if you love him as yourself? You're not going to tell an untruth, you're not going to be deceptive, you're not going to seek the high place, right? I use the term because Paul uses it of esteem others greater than yourself. To esteem something greater than yourself, simply means that you do not push forward. You, you simply realize that whatever they're doing to you, they're not doing to you because you're dead and your life's hidden with God in Christ Jesus. The only way that you could be offended, the only way your feelings could be hurt. The only way that you could be feel slighted or an injustice done to you is if you're in the flesh And by in the flesh, I mean you're in Adam. Adam's mind, Adam's will, and Adam's emotions. And his body. You're still there. You still have them, but you're not supposed to be there. The overcoming Christian life is moving from there to the life that you really are, the life that you really have, which is in Christ Jesus. And your spirit man, overriding by the grace of God, by the gifts of God, by the power of God, the wisdom of God, overriding the old Adam, the the first Adam. I use the analogy, you'll hear me say it many times. Think of a television blaring in 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 a living room. That's Adam. Just think of the worst show you could imagine. Put the news on crime death darkness and mayhem riots in the street you know corruption at a corruption in a company guys being hauled away in handcuffs the whole thing that's just mayhem that's the world it's a world of darkness even the good on there you're going to find out that in uh, the underbelly of it is selfishness right That's not going to stop your entire time on this, on this earth is not, that's never going to stop, but you're a new creation. Now in Christ Jesus, the the source mechanism of that, the original source mechanism of that in the, in the non-believer is their fallen heart. It's the heart of darkness. It's their spirit. That's cut off from God, cut off from life. There's a corpse inside them and down deep inside them is this death. It's this death principle. Law of sin and death, absolutely driving, controlling. They're in harmony with it. The non-believer, when they're doing things, when they're, you know, out partying or whatever the case is, they feel fantastic. They feel at home. They are at home. They are at home because the construct of this life, the things of the world are designed to tailor, they're tailor designed to connect to and relate to and be responded to by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life and rebellion towards God. Adam made this world. It's his It belongs to him. Therefore, his descendants feel 100% at home in it. 100% at home in it. Right? I had a great analogy of this. It was quite a while ago, actually. Maybe six months ago at work. And one of our clients, you know, I'm a guy. He's a guy. He's like, and there was a, one of my coworkers, a girl, she was not far away and they, we, I had normal business interaction with this gentleman and he goes, Hey, you want to hear a joke? I said, no, <laughs> because I knew the person and I knew what the joke would be. He goes, Oh, oh, oh. I said, no, I said, yeah, no, <laughs> no offense, buddy, but I don't want to hear the joke because I knew it was an offensive joke. And the girl standing beside me while she was a couple of feet away, I didn't even know if she could hear She goes, I I want to hear it. I thought there's a great analogy right there. They love this world. They love the darkness that's in the world. They relate to it. They connect to it. They want more of it. Right? But you, like that moon in the sky that I was talking about, reflecting the light from the source of the sun in darkness, are an ambassador here. You're a citizen of the source, you're a citizen of the sun, but for a time, for a time, God has us hanging in darkness in this realm, in this world, but we are ambassadors here. We are a representation of a different source. They're of the darkness. Their source is 100% the darkness. They're from the darkness. They love the darkness. They're the children of disobedience. They're the, they're the children of darkness. They love it. The law of sin and death gives them ideas. That flow, that downward death principle that's here, it inspires them. It, it gets, that's where their ideas come from. And they'll use those ideas and play those ideas until there's a harm or something that comes because it's you know it's like letting a tiger loose in your house. It's cool for a minute until it starts ripping things apart. The non-believer in this world is completely at home. Their fallen heart is whispering to is is it from their ish from their heart like a well is just gurgling up death. It hits the mind of Adam, which is consumed with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, and a hatred for God, surrounded by whispering demons. If they could just get rid of that fear of death and that pesky sense of fear and uncertainty that they have all the time, they would be just basking in this life. And you know, I'll tell you right now most of them the ones that really have that that really manifest the aggression that they have towards god most don't they're just consumed with the lust of the eyes flesh and, and the pride of life but the ones who really have that rebellion against god which is in all of them but doesn't manifest to the same degree those are the atheists those are the aggressive atheists that just want to wipe out the mention of god completely from the earth because they that, that pesky feeling they have that pesky sense of shame that they have that they also inherited from their parent, Adam, their parents, Adam and Adam, male and female, that pesky shame that just, you know, that has, you know, that has filled their shells with self-help books and needs to be, can't be alone, needs to be constantly coddled. That part of them, they blame God for that. If there was no real sense of law, if there was no real sense of right and wrong, if there was no real, no, if there was no consequences for sin, I would be great because what I'm feeling inside is phenomenally, um, I'm in total harmony with it, but there's this pesky annoyance around me and that pesky annoyance is based upon some civil construct, some civilized sort of ancient, diluvian sort of like sense of, you know, deity frowning, get rid of him. We just kill God and boom, we'd be free for good. Don't kid yourself. I've talked to them many, many times. It comes up in the conversation. It will come. It's there right from the beginning. I hit it right from the beginning. I say right off the bat. I don't anymore. I used to, uh, I stay out of it now. But I used to, I say, if you you could just get rid of God boy, it would be a whole lot better for you, wouldn't it? And you can see, you just sort of see, you just see that wham in their face because they're not used to hearing that. They think it's an imposed Christianity is an imposition upon them, upon their freedom, upon their lust, upon their sin. If we could just get rid of that imposition, boom, we'd be free. That fear in them will never leave, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> that fears born in unrighteousness. They don't know that, but the unrighteousness of their life is what's the real source of that fear. We hid ourselves because we were afraid. You? Why were you afraid? You were afraid because you knew you did something wrong. This cosmos, the creation, the kingdom of God, his presence woven into everything here is never going to let him off the hook for that one. Never going to let him off the hook for that one. It will haunt you and haunt you and haunt you because you're out of harmony. You're disjointed. You you know, you play a t- an untuned string on a guitar. It doesn't matter. You can adjust all you want. You can adjust the, you know, how hard you, 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 you pluck it. You can do anything on the externals that you want, but it's going to be out of tune. And the non-believer is out of tune. They're out of tune. They're cut off from the source of life. They're always out of, they're in harmony with their environment. That's why in the moment when they're, when they're engaging in the, in the things of the world, they're happy, you know, as soon as it's over the next day, whatever the case be, not happy, miserable because righteousness, peace, and joy can only be found in the kingdom of God. Man in Adam has tried to accomplish those three things. All false religions are built around an idea that, an attempt to construct some sort of self-made righteousness, some feeling that I'm okay with some deity someplace. Peace? Well, you know, if I can just have enough money and have the house I want and, and just, you know, have enough of this, you know, that I don't have to worry about the mechanics of living, then I'd have some peace and joy. Well, that's the, that's the liquor store at Friday night. That's the bar, the clubs, the drugs, all of that. It's to design to bring a sense of peace. And really, that's all that Adam has available to him. He has false religion, he has material security, and he has stimulants. Okay. So, keeping that in mind, we want to remember that the that Christ in us, the hope of glory. That we are in the darkness. That we're hanging in the darkness, like the moon in the sky and i want to stress i'm only using that as an analogy i have not developed my theology from looking up in the stars i'm using it as an analogy only and in this analogy think of the lord as the source the sun in the sky unchangeable unmovable and unresponding the moon however responds very all it does is respond it never initiates it has no source of life light in itself but it can turn, it can be on different angles. It can be, and it can, it's variable. Okay. It's variable. It has shadows. It has turning. And we, in our Christian life, even the overcomers go through seasons, not seasons of failure, but seasons of, I I like to think of it as seasons of heights and seasons of super heights. Because what you know I want to finish this analogy before I come back to that. And we're hanging in darkness, and that darkness is the world. Okay? But in it we shine as lights. Because we're the children of light. But it's important to note that that moon in the sky, though it can shine light upon the earth, its goal is not to illuminate the earth. This earth will be fully illuminated when the full glory of the Lord Jesus Christ is here in his return. No more need for the moon in the sky the sun will be on the earth and his glory will replace the sun no more need of it says that in revelation so there'll be no more need of the sun okay but like that moon in the sky hanging in darkness we are hang here on the earth and we are lights reflected lights in the darkness but instead of just purely reflecting off us from the outside, he he shines and reflects off our spirits in the inside and permeates first us, fills us with light, fills us with greater understanding. And then we can, that light can flow and shine through us first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, then the outermost parts of the world. And these are the ones that the seed fell on good soil and they bore fruit, some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. Okay. And that's important. That's very important for us. Okay. I want to thank you for joining me today on his light and life. We're going to pick it up right here as we continue our discussion on the world. Thank you for listening to his light and life. Do you have questions or want to speak with Mark? Please reach out using the email in the description. We'll see you next time on His Light and Life.